Hello and welcome back to Take 10 for Men, 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health and support their mates. My name is Sophia Hatzis, I'm the host of the show, and today we have a very special guest in Ben Fordham. Ben is an Accra and Walkley award-winning journalist, and he's the host of 2GB's breakfast radio show, Ben Fordham Live. This is a very special chat and conversation. Ben has a lot of wisdom to share. I hope you absolutely love it. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. But most importantly, enjoy the chat. Let's get this party started. Ben Fordham, (laughs) welcome to Tech Ben for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health and support their mates. First off, Ben Fordham, how are we? It's been a lo- it's been a while. Did you say this is a 10-minute chat? You you really think that you can stop me to just the 10 minutes? I'm doing I'm doing okay. I, I've probably had one of the more, more challenging times of my life in the last little bit. It just kind of, you know, those feelings where everything happens at once. Jody, my wife, her her dad, Ross, passed away. Um, and even though we kind of knew it was coming, it's, you know, it's one thing to go through it yourself because I lost my dad a year or so ago. But to see your love of your life lose her dad and she's a bit of a, a daddy's girl as my girls thankfully are as well. It's, um, it's, it, it, that was really challenging. I've had lots of work challenges, lockdown challenges, homeschooling challenges. As I speak, literally, and you know my kids because you you're their, their footy coach from time to time. They are just arriving home at the moment. So any moment now, this interview might be disturbed by three rat bags running into the house. But as I look out the window, Jody's letting them play in the sandpit at the moment. So when it rains, it pours. So if it's all happening at once. I took on a new job a year or so ago, and it was a big job. And we had a bit of a, um, a dream run there for a while. And then the realities of the job set in, you know, like the fact that it's a really... Like most people's jobs, it's a really tough job and there's no, there's no quick road to success. And, and with that, there was quite a bit of um, kind of media coverage and speculation around the whole thing as well. So that takes some getting used to. The kind of, and then, like, for example, that was all happening on the same day that Jody's dad died. So you, you do have days where you go, what's going on here? You know, where... Jody's dad's passed away, one of the nicest blokes ever in the world. Works turning upside down. There's all sorts of people saying all sorts of things about me. I'm supposed to be on a beach on Hayman Island. Instead, I'm in lockdown in Sydney. You know, I'm not the only one. I think everyone's got their own kind of group of challenges. I I do want to speak to you a little bit about the pressure of breakfast radio because when you and I met you were still on drive when I was working at at 2GB and I can't really imagine the kind of pressure and intense scrutiny you would be under there but what I'd like to know from you is how you manage your mental fitness and your well-being under that kind of scrutiny and pressure because I could imagine that would be quite challenging. You know it's weird I, I don't know whether I've really got a strategy on how I manage it I think it's more of a take it as it comes kind of thing. But oh, one thing I do try and do is I try and limit my amount of worry time. You know, there was a, there was a line in a song that I heard when I was a teenager, which was um, worrying is about as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubble gum. In other words, you just can't do it. So it's like worrying is the one thing we do. I mean, I, 
I know how much work you put into your personal fitness. You put in an hour or two hours of personal fitness, you see some kind of physical result as a result of that hard work. But worrying doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't matter whether you worry for five minutes or five hours, you're left in exactly the same position. So one thing I have learned to do is to have, it's ridiculous to think that I'm just not going to worry about something at all. Of course you are. Of course you're going to have time to stress. Of course you're going to have time to think. But I do have moments that when the shit is really hitting the fan, I have moments where I go, you know what? It's 11.20. I'll give myself till midday thinking about this and then I move on. I'm, I'm a big believer in using my time effectively. I don't waste my time in any other aspect of my life. Mm. So that becomes a major drain when you realise, hang on a moment, there's three hours that I just washed down the toilet and I've got nothing to show at the end of it. And I suppose the other thing I've learned a little bit as well is that the more people who doubt you, the more fuel that they throw onto the fire. It's, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm always on, on my game as far as that's concerned. I'm not. I have plenty of those moments of going, what in the world am I doing? And when you wake up at 3 a.m., mate, believe me, those thoughts, like there are days when you wake up and you literally go, what am I doing? What am I doing? We've had nights when, you know, we had a, our baby Goldie had to go to hospital, you know, late at night because she had a really weird cough and we're worried about it. And then all of a sudden, and Jody wakes up at 3 a.m., I wake up at 3 a.m. There might be complications going on at Freddie's school. There might be something happening as well with Pearl, there's parents, there's brothers, there's sisters, there's colleagues, there's bosses, there's all those things, you know. Like I, I don't want to pretend like I've, I've got it all sorted out because I'm still learning as I go. And you've got the Gotcha for Life hat on and I did have the chance to speak to the lovely <laughs> and fantastic Gus Wooland um, recently as well. <laughs> yep. And he talks a little bit about um, your Gotcha for Life mate, so someone who you can have a warts and all conversation with, lay it all on the line. And I wanted to ask you, who do you turn to when times get tough? Who's your gotcha for life mate? Or do you have several? Jody. Yeah, Jody would be my first gotcha for life mate. She's the person that when I've been tossing and turning about something or something's been bubbling away behind the scenes, I tend not to declare that straight away because I 80% of the things that are bothering me, I tend to be able to work through them myself and come up with solutions on my own. But the 20% that hang around, um, when it's time to talk to someone about that, I, I do it differently based on what the issue is, but the most obvious person would be Jody. that sometimes I, I'll say to her, hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking. But let me read a text message to you, Soph, because Please. you mentioned Gus Wallman and I've learned a lot from Gus. So when I was having some troubles recently, he wrote this to me. Just checking in, leaders get lonely. Here if you need me. Don't worry alone, brother. Gussie, kiss. And that's from a big, rowdy, larger-than-life bloke. But those things do help. And I actually picked up the phone. I didn't text back. I picked up the phone, I think, the next day, and I said, hey, Right, and we just had a chat about it and, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty consistent in doing that for other people. I, you know, when I come across people and I realise, oh, hang on a moment, they've got a real problem going on here. Um, obviously, I do it for my mates, but also there are other people who I, 
I might only know in a professional capacity, but I might read something in the newspaper or hear something about what's going on in their life. And, and I like to be that person who calls. I've got some mates who've been in some, some trouble because of things that have gone wrong in their private lives or their professional lives and whatever. And some of those people, because of the nature of what they do in the media, they end up in the newspaper or they end up on TV or on radio or whatever. And, and it's hugely embarrassing for them and their families and everything else. And one of the things I say to them is, mate, tomorrow it's someone else in the paper. Like today was just your day. And it's the same with anyone else in their, in their life when it comes to, okay, today it's you that's got the problem. Today it's you that's really suffering from a really bad bout of the black dog or, you know, whatever else might be going in your life. But it doesn't mean that that's going to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You know, it's like everyone gets their turn and today's your your turn. You are somebody who is always full of great advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk like that about yourself. You're always full of great advice. What's the best piece of advice that you've been given that you'd like to share with us? Probably one that stands out for me out of all the um, millions of them that I've collected over the years is um, I heard a bloke say once, I was driving in a car in Brisbane somewhere and I heard someone say, have an attitude of gratitude. And that kind of struck a chord with me where I, you know, there's no point getting down in the dumps about the things that don't go well if you are not prepared to get up on the table and dance when there's good stuff going on, you know, and that is something that I certainly adopt in my own life. I may not have a perfect life. I certainly don't. I may have problems that are happening in my life, whether it's family um, or work or anything else, but when the good stuff happens and believe me, the good stuff doesn't happen just every day. It happens every hour, you know, like your kids walking in the room and bringing in, a collection of very interesting kind of flowers here. And look at the, it's not just that they picked a flower, look at the range of the flowers that they've come up with here as they came into my office. That's something that I think has, has helped me a lot. Your eldest child, Freddie. Um, yeah. I would love to hear a little bit from you as to what kind of man you want to raise him as. Like what are the qualities of a good man to you that you want to instill in Freddie? Because he has a, a beautiful heart. I suppose I don't really think of myself as the and I know this is not what you're kind of suggesting but as I contemplate the question with all seriousness I don't kind of view myself as the kind of the designer of his future or his character or what he's going to be all I can do is kind of set him on the right path and absolutely pick up on things if I feel things are are kind of going off track in any way I mean we've got kind of some hard and fast rules about what is expected of him, particularly as a, as a man, because that is a little bit different. And, look, I know that this may jar with some people, but I can still remember the, the first time when, when Freddie kind of shoved his little sister, Pearl, and I kind of died inside seeing it. But, of course, he doesn't know. He's only three or something like that. And I still remember picking him up, walking him out in the backyard, going up to the back of the backyard, just so he really knew that this was something that was serious. And I had to explain to him, mate, it's not something that happens. It's not something that goes on. It's not something that goes on in this household. It's certainly not something that ever happens when you're dealing with a girl. And what I'm most proud of Freddie about is um, what a wonderful sharer 
he is. So much so that, and this is really tragic, Soph, when it comes to parents who are just a little bit too proud of their kids. But I said to him one day, mate, you might just be the world champion sharer. And that makes me really proud of seeing my children looking out for each other and sharing with each other. And what I don't want them to be, I don't want them to be bullies. I don't want them to be aggressive. Um, I don't want them to be judgmental. And I think the best way you can teach them that is not by telling them every little lesson along the way. It's just by doing it. I'll give you one little example, right? And this is just something that happened yesterday. In our street here, like my kids just brought in the newspapers, in our street here, the papers get dumped on the, um, on the footpath, get thrown on the footpath. When I walk past people's house in my street, I pick up their newspaper from the footpath and I just put it on their on top of their fence, you know what I mean, on top of the brick fence. Yesterday, for the very first time, Freddie did it. So he was walking, he was walking about 10 metres in front of me and I saw him, he was walking past someone's house and I saw him and he wasn't like, oh, Dad, can I do it or I'm going to do it? He just got down, picked up the paper, put it on someone's fence and I was like, Freddie, well done, mate. And the yeah. last question that I always ask my guests before we say goodbye and it's something I'm very curious to hear from you, is what are you most grateful for today, Ben Fordham? This very day today? Today, right now. Okay, we had the most remarkable lasagna for dinner last night. <laughs> it was cooked by a friend of ours, uh, Annabelle, who lives up the road. Why am I grateful right now, so? Because I know there's some leftover lasagna in the fridge and I'm about to go and heat it up. Sometimes having an attitude of gratitude is just about saying, hey, I'm really looking forward to that lasagna. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to let you go back to your lasagna. Thank you so much for <laughs> joining me. Gotcha. Love your work, Dave. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and I'll see you very soon.